Heavenly Father, as we trust in you, we declare our hope is built on nothing less but you alone. Lord, we are dressed in your righteousness. Thank you that we can stand before your throne. You see us as clean. You see us as your children. Father, we declare that through the storms of life, that you are still Lord, you are still sovereign. Lord, help us to stand firm so that we will not be shaken. Help us to glorify your name in every situation in life. Oh, Lord, as we come to listen to your word, may it speak to our hearts, Lord. May your Holy Spirit convict us. May your Holy Spirit teach us and transform us into the likeness of your Son. Give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Difficulties with the PowerPoints and all that, but uh, God doesn't have any difficulties. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay. All right. It's good to see everyone here. Have some uh, people who don't come that often. Uh, maybe some visitors. Uh, I think friends and family. So that's really awesome. You can greet each other later as we head on out and have some refreshments. It's really cool. Uh, would you please open your Bibles to Acts chapter nine? Acts chapter nine. We're going to continue where we left off last week. As we've been reading through the book of Acts, we see that ever since the ascension of Jesus, ever since he gave the Great Commission, uh, the message of hope that we're supposed to be taking to the world, uh, the gospel, it rooted itself in believers uh, in Jerusalem. And from Jerusalem, it spread out. As we see uh, the disciples, they took it to Judea. And then later on, Philip, he took to Samaria, where he met the Ethiopian eunuch. And then also he met Simon the magician, right? And, and the disciples met Simon the magician. And then God, he, uh, he met Saul on the road to, to, to Damascus. And God totally changed his life around. Had a gospel encounter with Jesus. And became God's chosen instrument to proclaim uh, Jesus to the nations. Right? To kings and, and all these people. So, I want you guys to picture... Um, this, this gospel movement by these early believers, it's like, it's like chucking a pebble into a lake. Or you chuck that pebble into a lake. Um, you know, like we, back then when I was in college, I went with some college friends and went to uh, um, hiking, went to on like a camping trip. And we just, as we got to the lake, we just, we just took stones and we just saw, tried to chuck them as far as we could. And as, it, as the pebble, you know, it would hit the, the, rock, the water, it would ripple, right? It would, it would spread out. It would expand. And that's what we see happening in the book of Acts. From Jerusalem, it began to expand. So um, as you're reading from Acts chapter 9, would you follow along with me in your Bibles? Verse 32. Verse 32. And as Peter traveled through, uh, about the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydda, where he met a man named Aeneas, a paralytic who had been bedridden for eight years. And Aeneas, Peter said to him, Christ, uh, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your men. Immediately Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Right, in Joppa, there was a disciple named uh, Tabitha, which when translated is Dorcas, who also was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in the upstairs room. Elida was near Joppa, so when disciples heard that Peter was in that they sent two men to him and urged them, Please, come at once. Peter went with them 
And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Right, Peter sent them all out of the room, then he got down on his knees and prayed. Right, turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. And he took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. Right, this then became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Right, people, uh, Peter then stayed in Joppa for some time with a tenor named Simon. And that concludes chapter 9. So we see that as Peter, he heads out, he's traveling the country in the name of Jesus. And he's trying to spread the name of Jesus. The people who are hearing Jesus, they were believing in him. All right, Peter, uh, he's, he's following the footsteps of Jesus. He's going in and he's providing uh, aid. He's providing relief. He's meeting people's needs. And, it, and ultimately, the deepest need that these people have aren't physical healings, but it's really a healing of the heart. You see that he traveled miles northwest of Jerusalem, so to the city of Lydda. So Lydda is, is northeast of Jerusalem, about 20 miles. And if you can head up another northeast, uh, I'm sorry, northwest, 10 miles, you'll reach the city of Joppa. So Joppa is the same city that uh, Jonah, when he tried to escape to, when God was, hey, Jonah, go to Nineveh, he was like, no, God, I'm going further, as, as far as I can, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. And he went to Nineveh. So just like Peter, uh, he's heading towards this city, um, he performs these miracles, people believe, and he ends up staying at the, ho- at the house of a tanner named Simon. So I just want you guys to just to realize that, uh, like last week I talked about how people's names are often connected with maybe their occupation or the city they came from. This guy is, from, this guy is called Simon from Joppa, and it's, it's different from, than Simon from Tarsus. All right, Simon from Tarsus is uh, another dude. So remember that people's names were also often associated with their location or occupation. So Simon, this tanner guy, he works with dead animals, right? That's, he works with hide, with leather, right? And even though he worked with those, with those kind of animals, he was considered unclean. That didn't stop Peter from staying at his house. And while in these cities, uh, these people, these disciples are following the footsteps of Jesus, they're, they're, they're sharing the gospel, they're performing miracles in his name, lives are changed. And we'll see today that changed lives is not only reserved for a certain group of people. It's not reserved for only a certain group of people. Last week we saw that God can save anyone. Right? If God can save Saul of Tarsus, God can save anyone. And now today we're going to see that not only can God save anyone, but God has a big heart for everyone. God has a big enough heart for everyone. So I want you guys to think about the, you know, like last week I told you, I want you guys to think about the, the least likely person in your mind, in your life, that you think would become, that would be saved. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe, maybe it's a relative. Or maybe it's a, it's a friend, maybe from work or from school. The least likely person. God can save that person. And God desires to save everyone. Or that would want to come to a right relationship with him. Now we're going to continue through the, the Acts chapter 10. Uh, it's, it's in a city called Caesarea. And it's on the coast. It's a coastal city in Samaria. And in the city lives a man named Cornelius. All right, let's read about this guy, Cornelius. It's an interesting name. 
So at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing, and he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. On one day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. All right, he is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Or when the angel spoke to him and, and had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants, and he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Right, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter, he went up on the roof to, to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened up and something like a large sheet being let, let down to, to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals and as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. And then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men, by Cornelius, uh, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. Right, when Peter, who was thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three people are looking for you, so go up and go downstairs, and do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Right, Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him, you have a uh, holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Right, then Peter invited the man into his house to be his guests. So I'm going to stop right here and, and just, let, let's just kind of uh, digest what's going on. So Cornelius is a centurion of a Roman regiment, about, about, of a, about 100 men. And that's really interesting because he's a Roman and as well he's a centurion. But his family, they are devout God-fears. God-fearing people. And these are people who we would call um, Jewish converts. So they're not necessarily Christians, but they, they, uh, they converted to Judaism. So they, they worship this God, they pray to this God, and they follow all its laws, all its six, uh, 613 laws. And not only do they associate themselves with God, and they're known for it, like people know them. Like th these people, man, they're God-fearing. You know, they, they donate to the poor, they're generous, and they pray. And an angel of God who was sent to Cornelius with this message, saying that you will find a man named Simon. Simon, who is called Peter. And he's staying with Simon the Tanner. So this is really important because if, um, if, if the angel wasn't clear about which Simon it was, then maybe the Tanner would have showed up. Right? And not, 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 the, not the right Simon. So it's really important why we, we have these titles. And the next day, 
Peter, as he went up to the roof to pray, right, these roofs were usually flat, and on it you could dry things like food or, or clothing. You could also rest on top of there. He, he was just resting up there, and um, he was praying. And as he, as he was praying, he got hungry. I don't know if any of you guys ever experienced that before. You pray, you, pray, you, you get hungry. And um, he was waiting for the food to get ready, and the food wasn't ready, so he fell into this trance. He was hungry. And, you know, when I read this, I was kind of, I was, I, was, I was like chuckling to myself because, like, that's happened to me before. Not, not that I fell into a, a trance or anything like that and I had a vision, but, like, you know, just praying, you get hungry, and then you get sleepy, you know. And um, you know, I just remember, yeah, I, I, when I was in prayer meeting, you know, back in my old church, back in college, uh, Wednesday nights right after work, right, 7 p.m., go there, and you're hungry, I didn't have time to eat yet, and, it, and it's, you get sleepy as you're praying, and sometimes, like, you know, fall asleep, and, you know, drool just starts coming out of my mouth. But, you know, so I was wondering, yeah, Peter, you know, he's human, right? He's a human guy, right? He gets hungry, and he's praying, and, you know, gets tired. So as Peter, he's in this trance, and he's having this vision of this large sheep coming down to earth. And on this sheet, there's this bunch of animals. And it sounds kind of weird, right? Like, what's this all about? What's the importance of this thing? And it gets even weirder because not only does, does, does the sheet fall down from heaven with animals, but then this angel is like, hey, it, you know, kill and eat. Right, killing is not the strange part. Killing is not the part that... that um, Peter is really refusing, but what he's refusing is he's refusing to eat. Peter says, I can't eat these animals. Why? Because these animals are unclean. In the Old Testament, God laid out clear laws of things that you can and you cannot eat. So Peter being, you know, a devout Christian and, and not, you know, he, he, he wants to obey God. He's like, God, like, why is this happening? Like, why are you telling me to do something that I shouldn't do, maybe? Like, I'm so confused. So this conversation between him and the angel goes back three times. Right? Imagine that. Three times he pushes back. He's like, God, I can't do this. And while he's lying there, you know, he's awake now, he's lying there, and he's just, he's thinking about, like, man, that was so weird. I don't know if you guys ever had any weird dreams. And when we wake up in your bed, you're just like, ooh. That was strange. Like, why did I dream that? Why did I dream that? And while he's, while, while he's sitting there, he's lying there, he's pondering about that, the three men sent by Cornelius, they arrive. And they call out, to, they call out and they're like, hey, Peter, are you, know, are you home? Like, Simon Peter, are you here? And at this moment, he doesn't know why these people are coming. He has no reason. I mean, he, has, he has no No idea. No idea. And they say, hey, God, you know, Cornelius sent us to you, so hey, come with us. Come with us. And God says to Peter, hey, go with them. And I sent them to you. So he doesn't know what's going on. And just like Philip, when he was brought to the Ethiopian eunuch, he didn't know why he was going. He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't have an idea of what kind of conversation was going to happen. But he was obedient, and he went. And, I, and something really, really amazing happened. So I'm wondering, I want to ask you guys, is there anyone that God is placing on your heart? Is there, is there anyone that God's leading you to? Anyone that God has burdened you with? And as Peter, he goes with the group, and after they arrive, Peter, he explains to us what the meaning of this vision was. 
So the next day, Peter started out with them, all right, verse 23, and some of the brothers uh, from Joppa went along. Uh, the following day, they arrived in Caesarea, and Cornelius was expecting them. He called together his relatives and close friends. This guy, he's expecting a message, and he's inviting his relatives, he's inviting his friends. He wants them to hear this message. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said, I'm only a man myself. And this is really amazing because Cornelius, he's a man of high position. All right? He's a man of respect, of power. And he's falling at the feet of this man that he, he's never met before. And this man is a Jew. Right? That's, that, this, this, is, this is amazing right here. Like, that was just a mosquito zapper. Don't be alarmed. <laughs> All right. So talking with him, Peter went inside and he found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. <laughs> so are you guys seeing this? Peter, he's already, in a sense, breaking Jewish laws by even being there. But he's there because God called him to go for a special reason. And it says, but God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. And may I ask why he sent for me? Cornelius answered, four days ago, I was in my house praying. And at this hour, three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. I sent to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. And you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling them the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good things and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with them. Or we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews in Jerusalem. Right, but they killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. Right, he was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. Right, by, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Right, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. Right, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Right. When Peter, who was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on who? On, on even the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And Peter then said, how can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? For they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So Peter, he says that now he realizes what? He realizes what? 
He realizes that how true it is that God does not show favoritism. That he should not call anyone impure or unclean. You see, it was unlawful, right, for a Jew to even enter a Gentile's house. Or was this law God's intention? Right, no, this, this law was a law that these Jews, they created uh, by themselves, for themselves. Or they added it to themselves. They, they thought that, you know, we are God's special people. We are God's special possession. You know, we are sons and daughters of Abraham. You know, and God handpicked us out of all the nations of the earth. So we are privileged. We are privileged. And therefore, we don't associate with Gentiles who do not have our heritage, have our background. So they also discriminated not only against Gentiles, but also against Samaritans. Our Samaritans are also Gentiles, but, you know, Samaria is this place. Caesarea is in Samaria. Right? The Jews said, you know, we don't even want to go into the nation, I mean, into the area of Samaria. We are going to go around it, right? Like, like I said in, in a few weeks ago, like, if you're going through a toll, like, you don't want to pay a toll, so you don't, you don't want to cross the bridge and pay a toll, you drive around, right? You might drive further, but at least you don't have to pay the toll. Right? So these are, these are what the Jews did. But look at verse 34. It says, God doesn't discriminate. God doesn't show favoritism. I mean, we show favoritism all the time. Or to some extent, we favor some people over others. Or just like Peter, we show favoritism, but, but now he's, only now is he understanding, which is kind of surprising. This, this guy who's one of the, probably one of the oldest apostles, one of the oldest apostles, we know that because um, he ain't paid taxes with Jesus. The rest of the guys didn't pay taxes, so that means they, they weren't old enough yet. So Peter, he's one of the oldest, at the same time, he's been with Jesus for, for one of the longest times. And this guy, only now is he understanding how big God's heart is. Only now is he really understanding how awesome God's grace is. And even when Jesus commanded his disciples in Acts in the end of Matthew, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, the Jews thought, no, we're, we are God's chosen people. We are privileged. And we're going to keep it that way. But we see that it is God who decides, right? It is God who accepts and redeems all people to himself. That's what he, that's what he does. So, you know, I wonder, how many, how many Christians... How many Christians would want Trump or, or uh, Kim Jong-un or, or, or uh, ISIS, people who, you know, who, who, are, you know, who are ISIS, uh, or anyone else you know, that, that, that draws a lot of controversy or, or hate or has a, maybe has a, has a past? Like, how many Christians would want them to be saved? How many Christians would pray for their salvation? I know, I know there, are, there are a lot of people that do that. You know, they pray for our president. You know, they, they pray for dictators. You know, they pray for um, terrorists. But I also know Christians who, man, they just hate their guts. They hate their guts. Like, how could they do this? How could they make such a decision? How could they, how they, how could they plan and carry out such an atrocious act? How could they murder so many people? Or how could, you know, like, how, that's so bad. That's so bad. And part of me sympathizes with them because I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, like, you know, yeah, like, killing people, that's, you know, that's bad. Like, you don't want to be murdering people. Or, 
like, like marginalizing people or, or taking advantage of people or, or lying. Like, like, those are bad things. So I sympathize with those people. But a lot of times because of, of pain, of suffering, of grief, it, 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 it clouds Christians' minds. It clouds their hearts. And, and it blinds Christians' understanding of God's grace. How big God's heart is for people. And so when I was younger, you know, if, if, like, I would think, I mean, when I was younger, I didn't understand God's grace that much either. And, you know, if people treated me nicely, then I would treat them nicely, right? Isn't that how it works? All right, do unto others as you want them to do unto you, right? So in school, if someone bullies you, are you going to take away their chance to hear the gospel from you? Or if someone mistreats you at work, if someone maybe takes credit for something you did, or, or I don't know, like, just, like if someone at maybe your boss is, is, is treating you poorly or whatever, right, are we going to discriminate? Like, I think there's, there's, there's this thing about, about someone, a Christian, knowing the gospel and then, then deciding... I'm going to withhold it from someone because I don't like that person. And it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. And it's really easy to go there, right, when we, when we hate someone or when we just don't like someone. So, and it's also really easy for, for, for people who maybe they're accustomed to a certain background, um, ethnically, socially, economically. It's really easy to distance ourselves from those people. Like, I don't understand those people, so I don't really want to engage those people. And that happens to me, too. But we see that God doesn't show favoritism, that this gospel is a gospel that crosses those boundaries. Cornelius, right, a centurion, a Roman, who's this white-collared worker, and Peter, who's this Jewish fisherman, blue-collared worker, and we see in this story, those two people with different backgrounds, they come together because of the gospel. And something amazing happens. Just like God doesn't show favoritism, neither should we. End. And we see that this favor, this gift, it also has to be received, though. Right? In verse 35, it says, but God, uh, but, right, but God accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. So there's also a part on the receiving end, is that, yes, this grace is available, right? this gift that we don't deserve, right? that's what grace is, it's a gift. But it also has to be received, right? You don't work for it, you don't earn a gift, but it still has to be received, right? By every nation who fears and does what is right. And by now, Peter knows why he's brought here. He knows why God brought him here. God brought him an opportunity to share the gospel. And in verse 36, we're going to examine how the gospel is described. It's described as, first, the message. Right? You know the message. At the same time, the gospel is also described as, what, the good news of what? Good news of what? You can read in your Bibles. The answer is right there. Good, the good news of what? Of peace. 
piece of from where? From who? Right? Through Jesus Christ. Right? The answer is right there. You know, we don't need to make up any answers. The answer is right in your Bibles. You, you can look for yourself. Now, I think these are wonderful ways to speak about the gospel. The gospel really is this message, right, that we share through words. It's this message that is good news of peace through Jesus Christ. So, but who is this person, right? So, it's this person is Jesus. But Jesus, what's so special about him? Who is this person? All right, so then Peter, he begins to explain who this person is. So, I think that's a great way if you want to share the gospel with someone, right? You, you introduce the person, Jesus, as this, as this person who is good news, and you let people ask, okay, then who is this person? Tell us about this man. And Peter, he explains that Jesus is this person who went around doing good things. He healed people who were under the power of the devil. He saved them. And this is good news. The, the Bible describes uh, Jesus as, as someone who didn't show favoritism. In, in fact, he, he did disadvantage himself for us. He didn't see the gospel. He didn't see God. I mean, like, as, as, as being God as just, you know, I'm, I'm just going to keep it for myself. But we see in Philippians 2, he humbled himself, right? He emptied himself of this privilege, and he disadvantaged himself for us. We see the God of the universe being hanged and killed on a tree. All right, he, he was hanged by people on a tree. If you think about that, who created people? God, right? Who created trees? God. Right? This cross is made out of, out of wood. So God, he's, he's, he's killed by the, by the very things that he created. Now, how does that feel? How does that feel, right? Well, that's not the end of the story. We see that God, then he raises Jesus from the dead. And all who believes in him receives forgiveness of their sins. And that's the message. That's the good news. It's not that Jesus just died. But it's that he rose again as well. And if we believe in him, we receive forgiveness of our sins. But although Cornelius, he feared God, he gave the poor, he prayed a lot, Everyone knew about that. He had a good reputation. But he didn't know the gospel until now. And this just goes to show that no matter how religious you are, no matter how many good things you do, no matter how, how well you behave or how clean your life is on the outside, that doesn't matter. That's, that, that doesn't matter. That, it, ultimately, that's not good enough. That's what the gospel says, that although we aren't good enough, but Jesus was good enough. Being religious, it doesn't matter. Being religious doesn't get you right with God. If you don't know the message of Jesus Christ, it's good news, it's good news of peace through Jesus Christ, then that's still not enough. Right, Paul, he writes to the church in Ephesus, and we read it in Ephesians 1, all right, verses 11 through 14, it says this. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed... You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, 
who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen? Amen. So all those who believe, they receive a promise, an inheritance, which is the Holy Spirit. As these people, they heard the gospel through Peter, as he was still speaking in verse 44, the Holy Spirit came upon all who heard the message. And this is really the, 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 the proof that God didn't show favoritism. Peter and his buddies who were there, they saw with their own eyes. These people, these Gentiles, they received the same Holy Spirit that Peter and his buddies did in, in Acts chapter 2. Right? Remember in Acts chapter 2, 120 of them, they were in the upper room. And as they were, they were waiting there, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Just like that, the Holy Spirit came upon Gentiles. And that's the proof. And we see that as people encounter Jesus, as they receive the good news and decide to follow Jesus, they get baptized. And in verse 48 it says, so he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And then in, in chapter 11 and 1 to 18, I'm not going to read it all today because we're running out of time. But we see that, yeah, these people, they rejoiced with Peter because of these Gentiles who received the Holy Spirit. And at this time, I want to invite um, uh, Zach and Andrew and Darren uh, to, to, is Jeremy here? Yeah. Jeremy's not here. Yeah. Jeremy, yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy, you to come forward. I know Charlene's not here. She usually comes later. Just want you guys to come forward. And then I want to pass out, uh, Elder Jerry and I, we want to pass out these frames. Um, it's, just a, it's just a reminder of your baptism. You can look at this from time to time. You can put it on your desk, on your, on your wall. It's, to it's just to remember, you know, like, hey, I was baptized I'm a follower of Jesus, and I want people to know about it. So, yeah, so, so when people come to your house, maybe they might, they might see um, this photo on, on your wall or your desk, and they might be like, oh, what is this? Why are, why are you getting like, ch like choked by Pastor Phil or something? Uh, you can explain, them, uh, explain to them why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah, so we should, why don't you pass them out? I think it's, it's um, there's one for each person. It's a little personalized for your, has your family photos and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And you take a look at that. You can, you can show or share it to people later. But, yeah, we just want you guys to keep this and remember it, all right? All right, let's, let's give God a, a, a round of applause. All right. Presentation uh, from the children. They're going to come in and they're going to express um, gratitude and love towards mothers. So that's that's which is really amazing. So I want to welcome the children for and and Kim's going to be leading that and, and Elizabeth.
Happy Mother's Day. Uh, there's a very special performance uh, from our children for our own uh, mothers. Uh, okay, ready? Okay. To start off, our children would like to bless the mothers by reciting Psalm 23. Surely, your 